What's up, y'all? My name is Ian Edwards, and welcome to the Soccer Comic Rant. Happy New Year. We made it. We're here. Football is back. Uh, we did one show at the end of the year, and now this is the first one for the year. So I hope everybody out there is good and, uh, you know, ready to live the year right and do right and have some fun enjoying soccer and just living life with your loved ones and friends and new acquaintances and whatnot. Also, uh, uh, I guess we'll talk about Pele. Uh, I'm going to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt <laughs> that he was, the, he is the GOAT, the best player to ever do it. Uh, we're going to talk about the Premier League, uh, what's happening at Liverpool. They just lost to Brentford. Uh, also, follow me on Instagram at Ian Edwards Comic. And I have some shows coming up, which I will put out. And I'm going to be at the Creek in a Cave in Austin on the 13th and 14th of January. Two shows a night. But uh, I got some of the usual uh, homies here ready to talk soccer. And I'll start with, uh, I'm going to introduce Lee first so that after I introduce Lee, we could talk about Neil's brand new spanking background. It's got to be the greatest <laughs> Zoom background of all time. And you've been having a lot of construction done. And I, yeah, they did their thing. But I'm going to introduce Lee Hudson, stand-up comic from England, Southampton hey. fan. What up, Lee? Hey, I'm all good. I'm waiting for my team to show up in 2023 still. Um, <laughs> I don't think they know it's started yet. Uh, well, do you know, to be fair, our last game was New Year's Eve. So maybe maybe a new year will be a new start. But no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? You came at you. Um, that was very disgruntled. I'm trying to reaffirm it to myself. <laughs> I, I guess it takes time to, to reaffirm. I feel you. Uh, and we got Neil Shakovati with the... With the lit background that's dope man <laughs> what's what's going on over there it's good but i still believe the greatest background is the golden gate bridge that that you were on for <laughs> you're the head of for almost all of 2022 now that that's stunk compared to this <laughs> like, he was just displaying all the liquor that he needs to drink to forget chelsea's games right now oh, boy, yeah <laughs> I, I, I even got some up i even got some gin which they say was you know the spirit came from the streets of Chelsea. So. That's I need to join you there at the moment. So. <laughs> I know. By the next podcast, if Chelsea keeps doing what they're doing, all the bottles behind Neil are going to oh, be boy. empty. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Let's to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Neil's going to be, it's going to be the drunk <laughs> the soccer podcast. <laughs> yeah, he's a slurred. And what we need to do. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad you guys... I'm here. How was your New Year's? How did yeah, you bring it, it in? Um, I went to a house party. Oh, wow. um, it was a pretty chill one, though. You know, when you get in your thirties, house parties are mm-hmm. they're less they're less crazy. Um, so it was all it was all very civilized. Um, mm-hmm. Some drinks, just yeah, watch the countdown on TV in the living room. It was uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a proper thirties proper thirties house party. Um, but no, it, it was it was all good. It was actually right next door to Wembley Stadium, though. Um, what? So yeah, a friend of was a friend it? has a flat like right by there. Could like see the archway from their from their balcony. No, was there anything going on at Wembley Stadium for New Year's? No, <laughs> no, there was nothing there. But it meant it was easy getting there. Um, right. 
Uh, and then, yeah, because they got like an apartment with a high balcony, you could see like the fireworks over London and stuff. So oh, cool. that was, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It was nice and nice and chilled out. So uh, yeah, it's uh, the sort of new year you get when you're in your thirties. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. They better have a nice place. If you're going to leave your house to go do something at their house that you could have did at your <laughs> house, they better have a nice view. They better have a balcony with, you can see the arches and it better be good and chill and they better provide all the alcohol. Yeah, that's dope. And how was your uh, party, Neil? I, yeah, it looks same like... house, house party too, but just it was my house. So yeah, I didn't have to go see. anywhere. <laughs> yeah, the pictures look dope. Yeah, it, it turned out really nice. I was a little nervous, like trying to make cocktails for so many people for the first time. But <laughs> oh, you, know, you turned into a bartender? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> a friend of mine helped me out a little bit, and then, you know, it was okay. Because I realize the challenge is only to get past the first half hour, 45 minutes. Because everybody's on their own anyway after that. So. Right. Yeah. yeah, just be hospitable for like the first 30 minutes. <laughs> and then, you, all right, make your own shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah everyone's like, people are like getting into the bar, like making their own thing. And I'm like, all right, yeah, just do that. Yeah, do that could be that. good yeah. and reckless. <laughs> uh, that's funny, like be having a bartender and it's like almost having a DJ. It's like a drink DJ. Get people in a good in a good mood all night. The same way a DJ yeah, has yeah. to play the right records. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah, like I and I think kind of like DJ. You know, you go to a DJ for it because they don't like to change their shit, but they just want to play uh-huh. songs that they have on their list. And oh yeah, yeah. So I had like a cocktails list, but then people are like coming up with different things. I'm like, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure I can make it, but that's not what I planned on. Yeah, so some like, DJs take requests and some don't. Yeah, some don't. <laughs> yeah I don't take requests. These are the songs. <laughs> these are the songs on the karaoke list. Yeah. This is, are you singing one of these or not? Yeah, I need to be a little more assertive in my drink DJ career. In your drink DJ career. <laughs> I went to a, a party. Yeah. On a, it's a house party too. I guess we're all around the, yeah. the same age even though i'm still older but you know <laughs> like a civilized house party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so my friend normally has this new year's eve party on new year's eve and then he texts like a week before and he's like you want to go to this new year's eve party and i was like all right bet right and then the day before new year's eve i hit my homeboy hugh moore he's another writer comic and I was like, what time are you getting to JB's party t- tomorrow? And he said, that party's on New Year's Day. <laughs> so, I was like, what? So then I was like, I thought I was going to... Is it a sleepover? Just New Year's Day is so just getting, getting a nap. Like, like I think they, were, they did it, put it together so last minute and to get it organized and have a caterer. I don't... And then... He, when I got there yesterday, he's like, it was going to rain on New Year's Eve, which it did. So he didn't want everybody coming while people are drinking oh, on yeah, New Year's yeah. Eve. So then I was like, so then I went, remember when you invited me to your thing? I said, yeah, I yeah, have yeah. a friend's thing to do. So yeah. then I was like, I don't. But then it rained so bad. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. two, driving two hours to San Diego in the rain yeah, on yeah. a night. LA drivers are amateurs. They're not used yeah. to rain. And then yeah. on a night when everybody's going to be drinking, yeah, I just yeah. stayed at home. And yeah. I just, yeah, yeah. I just, I just stayed at home and watched Man United's win 
three times. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice but, watch. Yeah. But speaking of football, what's going on with Liverpool? Like, they just lost to Brentford 3-1 at Brentford. And it ain't easy to go to Brentford and beat them. They're a very intense team. And uh, they, they put in work. And especially in front of their fans, they put in work. When United has to go there, I'm worried. So I'm not surprised. I mean, you, you, you already went there. Surprised. It didn't. It didn't go well. <laughs> right. That was that was our first game of the season. We were there, right? Or we were <laughs> they at our house? No, it was early on. You were there because you were playing in that strip you've got on right now. And when yeah. everyone was going nuts, thinking Ten Hag was going to be a flop. Mm. <laughs> I almost didn't buy that strip this strip because of that game but I was like nah it's still nice I'll get it I'll get it but this was a bad luck strip for a minute mm. but but yeah like from my assessment it's like first of all I feel like Brentford played it right me and Lee were just looking up the, the formation for Brentford and they played a 3-5-2 which they know like in order for Liverpool to play good they have to suffocate you in the midfield so they put numbers in the midfield to match and overmatch Liverpool's numbers in the midfield and even though at halftime Liverpool had 75% of the possession of the ball by and Brentford only had 25% uh, Brentford had done more with the ball than Liverpool they had two goals 25% Liverpool had 75% and no goals. And plus, Brentford had had some goals barred off the scoreboard. And uh, yeah, and I think the issue with Liverpool is there's no pressure in the midfield. No pressure, no high line. And the players that they have to replace, people like Henderson and Van, what's Van, what's his name? What's the Dutch midfielder who's gone from Liverpool now? Wijnaldum. Oh, Wijnaldum. Wijnaldum. And who else used to be in that midfield with them? Well, it was Henderson, Wijnaldum, Fabinho. That was their best. And Fabinho. The best yeah, hitter, right? Henderson's yeah, kind of dropped off. Like, he's not the same player he was a couple of years back. He's in and out because of injuries. Yeah. So, And you're right. So he's not what he used to be. But the players that have replaced him are not those type of guys. They're like finesse players, but with no without the, the same amount of urgency and energy. And Brentford, you got to have energy to match the energy. And they try to, Liverpool, bring that energy at the, in the second half after the substitution. And they did start to suffocate. And you saw moments of what Liverpool used to do with Henderson and Wijnaldum, but it, it wasn't enough. And uh, I, yeah. I think I think Klopp, Klopp, at some point, the plan was to use... Someone like Navigata, someone like Oxley Chamberlain, as that you mm-hmm. know next next generation of that gung ho, very athletic, physical uh, midfield. Mm-hmm. But obviously, a lot of factors combined injury being you know high up on there, and uh, it just never panned out for these guys in in that team. So he mm-hmm. had to keep going back to someone like Henderson. Um, you know, and and the fact that Wijnaldum isn't there um, kind of hurt them. Thiago, Thiago was the next guy who came in. 
And he's a very different kind of player from what we've seen from Liverpool's midfield when they were really good. So are you saying like they, they're trying to kind of evolve into a more technical team from a physical team in that, uh, at least as far as midfield goes. But there's going to be pain points. It's not helping them that uh, it seems like some of the other pieces which would seem settled are also falling apart. Right. So, yeah, that makes so you think he intentionally wants the midfield more technical, or does he want them technical and to press and to be as like piranha hungry as he, his old midfield was? Yeah, I, I don't think the press is ever going to go away in a year with Club team. But, oh, it's but, gone. Yeah, I mean, at least from his ideas. Yeah, I, yeah, it looks like it's gone from what we've seen play out on the field, but um, I think when they're having the really good days, they still press well. So I, I, I would I would think that that's still part of the plan. But I remember a few Jurgen Klopp quotes right at the beginning of the season. I think maybe even in preseason where he said he was listing out all the midfielders they have, mm-hmm. and he said this thing where he, he talked about Firmino as part of that list, which kind of tells me he's yeah. opening himself up to having more of a number ten instead of two you know, gung ho box-to-box midfielders. Um, so, and that does indicate to me, uh, you know, combined with the signing of Carvalho, it does indicate to me that there is at least some sort of a plan to go to a number 10-ish, you know, more of a Coutinho kind of player, which he had moved away from for the long time. Or just drop Firmino in the midfield, because I think when Firmino was his nine, that he played like just as hungry. Yeah. Or as hungry as a midfielder. So I, I always thought, like I said on one of the podcasts, like put Firmino in as a midfielder. He would even use him sometimes, pull him out, put somebody in like Jota and then drop Firmino back. But you, you need that energy to match a team like Brentford's energy. And uh, like, these, these, how are you going to have 73% possession of the ball you make 652 passes compared to Brentford's 237 passes. Uh, Brentford had 49% pass accuracy. You had 83. And they scored three goals and two other goals that weren't allowed. That's like being clinical and taking advantage of like any inch of anything that you get. Meanwhile, Liverpool weren't. Uh, but it's it, but there's been just so many nights like this for Liverpool and they just bought Cody Gakpo hmm. and and, uh, and you'd think they spent money in the offseason so you think they would be better than this like I don't think anybody didn't have Liverpool in their top four up to this point of the season I don't know if you want to you got anything on this Lee yeah, I think it's just like you say, it's 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 hard to say if anything's that wrong with Liverpool's model when they're dominating the ball, they're having more shots. It's a clinical thing. Like, I mean, when I watch Nunes, I like the way he plays. You know, he causes lots of problems. He works hard. He runs the channels. But the guy is just, it's like he's trying too hard once he gets in the finishing positions at the moment and he's not quite doing it. Like he had one cleared off the line today. Uh, he had one disallowed. Um, like he's just not getting the luck. And when you're not taking your chances at one end, and then you're giving up 
easy goals at the other end. Um, because I think a lot of that stuff today was preventable. Brentford terrified them on set pieces. Though. That's one area where Brentford are very clinical um, mm-hmm. is on set pieces. They do, as a club, they do a lot of work on set pieces as well. And they do a lot of analysis on it and they come up with different routines and stuff and look at ways they can maximize those. I mean, two of the disallowed goals were off of corners and one of the goals right. they scored was off a corner as well. Um, so they really cause little problems with that weapon they've got. And that's the sort of thing you need to maximize when you're a team in a game where you're not going to have much of the ball. Counterattacks and set pieces are going to be the two weapons and they maximize those to full effect. Um, like Mbuemo's goal to kill the game, that was on the counterattack. Obviously, Kanate mm-hmm. has messed up there. They were looking for the foul. It wasn't a foul. Um, and then, you know, Mbuemo's put it away. But that's the sort of chance where if that happens to Liverpool, Nunez is in that position, he misses or he's offside or something. And it's those fine margins. Like I say, Liverpool could have easily won this game today. They created enough chances to win the game. If they'd have defended better, they would have won the game. But they didn't do those things. They didn't put the chances away. They didn't defend well at the moments where they had to defend. And that's what's cost them. I don't think it's necessarily, like I say, the game model was such that's causing them problems. There are still some issues in that midfield. They're not quite pressing the way they want to. But when you have as much of the ball as they have, when you have the chances they have, and when you concede the types of goals they concede, that's almost individualistic stuff or not defending set pieces well enough stuff. The overall actual game, I think they did what they set out to do in between the two penalty boxes from the edge of the 18-yard area that side to the edge of the 18-yard area the other side. All between there, they did what they intended to do for the most part. And then it, they fell short in both those two both those two pieces, really. Yeah. I feel like not scoring has gotten into Darwin Nunes's head. Mm. And you you would hope he looks at the goals that he already has and say, hey, that's good for somebody who's brand new in this league, so I'm fine. Like, he did put away a really good goal today, but his eagerness to get a goal made him be offside. So he's just got to relax. But the the more time it takes for him to score again, the more unrelaxed he might become and the more, yeah. more offsides he might be or the, the more he might flub his lines when he gets closer to goal, even if he is onside. <laughs> and you know what the football media and football fans are like. When the player goes yeah. on a run where they're like this, and all of a sudden everyone's on their back, it becomes a big thing. It gets talked about over and over and over and yeah, over yeah, again. Yeah. And it becomes a thing. Like we've seen it happen with with big strikers, big money strikers in the past. So, you know, Torres when he was... I mean, sorry, Neil, most of these guys are at Chelsea, but Torres at Chelsea, Listen, Shevchenko at Chelsea. He's, no, he's starting to look like a Bundesliga... I mean, this He's is to look like one. a, <laughs> yeah. a yeah. forward that Chelsea bought. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like uh, down to the number of like, you know, even like losing out on an offside goal. I know it was so funny Like when he was at Chelsea for Warner, people got so frustrated that at one point Chelsea fans started statistically quantifying the number of offsides goals that he had scored, the number of times he had hit the post. <laughs> Then you know VAR ruled out once, like I've never seen something like that. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, as Lee said, like when Nunes is playing, there's always something happening, and we used to see a lot of that with Werner too. That he he definitely is influencing the game. He's not somebody who's hiding, which uh, is you know um, like at Chelsea we used to compare to him with Morata, like unlike so Morata he would just go missing. Like, you would not even see him in a lot of games. But I think Lewis, much like Werner, you see him in a lot of games, he is influencing. 
the play, but it's just that last bit of quality, which, you know, you probably have that extra bit of time and space in another league, which you don't have in the Premier League. And uh, getting that absolutely right is, is, is a learning curve. I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe it would have worked out for Werner. Like, he only got one proper season. Like, second season, he was more of like a bench player, so he never really got a chance. With Nunes, I feel like he will get a lot more chances because Klopp is the kind of manager who will give his players uh, more time to adjust um, and, and do something. So, uh, yeah, I you know I hope for his sake that 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 he gets a little. He needs a little bit of luck. Like some of these things, uh, you know, it could easily have been goals another day. But some of the other things, like the, the shot, the I don't know if it's a shot or a cross, like a cross shot that he did today, which. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he could have reason. He could have. I think he was trying to go for the far corner, but instead he just shot parallelly to the face of the goal. And uh, yeah, those are some basics that that he needs mm. to get uh, get right. I think, I think it's think also. So I think it's also affecting Liverpool that Salah, although he's not playing badly, he's not quite playing to the level that he was when Liverpool were just demolishing everyone in their path. Like, he's still a good player, but he's not quite... Because there was a season or two where he was, like, he was approaching, like, that really elite top tier of players. Like, he was putting up numbers that would compete with them. And now he's kind of dropped off. Like, he's still an effective player for them. He scored a couple of games ago. um, And, like, he still scored an amount of goals this season that's okay. um, But he's not quite carrying them up to the level that he was. And I don't know if that's also to do with the team around him not quite doing it as much as well, but he doesn't seem to quite be firing to the point where he could just win them games by himself. I mean, I want to, I'm trying to look up to see how many goals he has. He has seven goals. This, yeah. In a Premier League. Okay amount. Yeah. Which is, which is okay. Like, you know. Mm, that's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, it's just was, not okay was, for him being him. Yeah. Like, you know, with that contract, bumper contract he got, where he's probably not justifying that. But, uh, let me see if he's still the top most scorer at Liverpool. Um, oh no, Firmino. Well, yeah, he's tied with Firmino at seven. And Firmino, Firmino had that game playing. against. He had that game against uh, Bournemouth where Bournemouth. he smashed like four yeah, goals in or something crazy. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, it, and you don't want to be too harsh because Liverpool had won four in a row, right up until that point. Is that? And also, the, and, and also, like, the team isn't playing that great. So to get seven goals and four assists in a down year, which, I mean, it's, let's mm-hmm. face it, like, it's looking like it's going to be a down year for clubs Liverpool, right? Seven goals and four assists at the uh, halfway mile is, is perfectly fine. Yeah. But like I say, he's not, like, carrying them to the level he yes, was. When you compare yeah. that with someone, I mean, I know you can't really compare anyone to Haaland. He's a freak, but that's a player who's, putting up elite numbers now, whereas Salah was putting up those elite numbers and he's not um, anymore, which is, yeah, kind of a hindrance to them when other players aren't stepping up and filling those gaps either. Yeah, Salah did kind of get shut down today. Like, you know, know, when I talk about, like, energy, like, and you look at the percentages of the time that uh, Brentford had the ball compared to Liverpool, it's like, without the ball, the energy that Brentford puts into not letting Liverpool through them is epic. And 
they definitely shut down Salah and Liverpool definitely had to step it up in the second half and they definitely had to like do more things that made them vulnerable which led to you know Keita trying to get through Keita is a player they don't want to play a lot because I think he's not that good defensively and today he coughed up the ball on the on the third goal and if you're playing Brentford any team that plays Brentford and Jan Elt gets the ball foul him because don't let him make a pass he made several killer passes today that led to led to great offensive chances for Brentford so that's the scouting report foul Janelle take the technical foul because he will find somebody fast and dangerous in stripes uh but it was a it's a great game like what are they saying in England about it like now that Liverpool has lost again I think they lost five games um just yeah that there's it's not the levels you'd expect from them people are giving Brentford props as well though which is good to see um you know just pointing out that they're they're a tough team to play especially at their place as well like they've taken scalps there like obviously they they beat you guys there they beat Liverpool there they drew with Spurs you have to keep your hand up um yeah they're a problem when you play them there um I mean they're a good side away as well but especially at home their fans get behind the team like I say they create the atmosphere they start throwing corners and long throws and everything mm-hmm. into your box. And, you know, if you're going to play Brentford at Brentford, you better be turning up with defenders who are willing to head the ball, um, that are willing to get physical because it's it's going to be that sort of game. Yeah, if you go to play Brentford in Brentford, act like you're going to play Man City because <laughs> Brentford at Brentford will treat you like you're Man City. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they want to like get a major scalp. It's, it's tough down there. They probably if you if you're probably not that good in the league or not that high up in the table in the league, you have a better chance to play Brentford at Brentford because they'll mm-hmm. be like they might get a little like uh, they might not take the game as serious. But Brentford at Brentford, if you're a top five team, top six, yeah. And now Brentford is like what seventh in the table, like right behind mm-hmm. Liverpool. That's so, one of the things though that frustrates me about you know, how we've been performing the last couple of seasons is that Brentford, their budget's smaller than ours. Um, and, you know, they've they've maximised their resources. They're getting the most out of what they have. Um, like, their squad isn't very expensively assembled. Um, they've just been really smart with who they've bought. They've been really clear about how they want to play. Um, and when you have all those ingredients, like, this is what happens. Don't worry, they'll mess up soon. All the Premier League teams mess up soon. Didn't you get their guys? They're, they're, we got one. We got we got their former director of football. Yeah, he's. Um, I don't know. Starting to wonder if it was someone else at the club that was doing it all there. <laughs> no, but it, you did get those guys in, but you just didn't have anybody like with that much experience that was still in form and at mm. their peak to like pair them with. Like, like you, you, what's the? You got the German guy. You got those defenders. You know, those are good potential people. Yeah, but and, and then these things take take time, right? Like anything yeah. that you're talking about that has to do with behind the scenes stuff, it's it's gonna take a little bit before yeah. you actually start seeing the uh, results on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not a not a magic wand, but you, yeah, you just gotta just... hope that you stay in the league by the time <laughs> by the time that you know that happens. Big thing. <laughs> uh, I wanna I wanna skip to Pele because you know. 
and and then we'll go back to the Premier League. Like, uh, hmm. so uh, let me ask you all first: Who do you think was the greatest player of all time, guys? Your opinions? It's it's a tough one because um, it's hard when you're comparing different generations. Um, and I prefer to look at it as the greatest player of certain eras. That's one way um, to look at it. And I think, you know, Pele was hands down. He's one of the best of all time. Clearly, I don't like to say there's one definitive best of all time. I would put him and Maradona both up there. I would say Messi's joined them now. Um, there's a tier of players below that, like Cruyff and Eusebio that have, you know, that have been at those, those sort of levels. Um, Brazilian Ronaldo, um, who else? Zidane, like on that next kind of level. But for me, like Pele, Maradona, Messi um, are the three for me. But like Pele's the king of the World Cup. You can't dispute that. Like he he he's yeah he he's the absolute king of the World Cup, and his career is just it's you know it's a special thing, and it's 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 good that people are celebrating it, and there's loads of videos going around and showing just you know. Because there's a lot of people that won't have seen. There's people that a lot of people that might have just heard of Pele, and they won't have had mm-hmm. a reason to go back and look at the sort of stuff that he did, um, and how he influenced the game. And I mean, we're having the conversation in the chat how he was like the first global superstar of football. He was the first player that people who didn't follow football knew about. He was a name that people knew because he elevated himself to such a level um, purely through his abilities. You know, there wasn't big you know the internet wasn't around then so if, the fact that there was people in like every continent who knew who Pele was um yeah. is is mad and that tells you just how good he was um but yeah I mean like I say you, you look back through some of those little videos and see some of the skills he was putting off some of the goals he was scoring um and just watching some of the the games from those classic Brazil eras when they had like just some you know crazy players playing with him um as well and some of the goals they scored. It's yeah, it's incredible. And what do you think, Neil? I mean, you know, on one hand, like like a lot of what I know about Pele is, you know, secondhand information, right? Like by watching watching clips on YouTube, um, or by reading about him. I've read a lot about him. And um obviously that documentary that came out last year. I, I actually in hindsight now that he, he passed away, I actually feel this is great that the documentary came out when he's still alive and put it put a couple lot of things in perspective. Mm-hmm. Because I, I also like had kind of bought into that narrative about you know the fact dude never played in Europe. Um that you know why didn't he ever move? Although when you actually closely analyze a lot of players at that age, at that in that era, didn't move from Brazil. So, which would probably tell me that the standard of play in Brazil was really that different from the standard of play in Europe, unlike now, where there is definitely a clear difference. And not just Brazil, Argentina, Argentina, and, exactly, and all of South America. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, his club. So the fact that he doesn't have a Champions League. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not that crazy. It's not that big a deal. Like, dude, would have had a Champions League this year. So, <laughs> you know, it's just a logistic thing. You know, he didn't buy a plane ticket. <laughs> that, that's what it boils down to. Um, and when you, I think, as Lee said, it's so tough to compare it across errors, right? So, what, what I like to do is like compare him to other people in that era and find the differential between him and the next best player. 
versus say somebody like you know a Maradona or Messi and they what they did in their era what is considered to be the biggest thing. So in Pele's era, definitely the biggest trophy in football by far is the World Cup, right? And that's in any era. That's in any era, and we know now, like having seen Ronaldo never lift the World Cup, Messi having to wait almost till his to last, last kick of a ball. In, <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, in his probably his last World Cup to um, to win a World Cup. That how difficult it is. Like so many great players go through their entire careers not having uh, lifted the World Cup. Um, fact that he did it thrice. It's just you can't, you can't really like. There's nothing more to say. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe if he had moved to Barcelona and like played a couple of years, would it have really like made that big a difference? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't hear people difference this big. Yeah, so I, I I feel like between you know the, the, this is also the same month as Messi, uh, where you know when Messi is lifted the World Cup, right? So yeah. for me, it was always very close between Messi and Ronaldo. I know like Messi. He is probably the like the, the he's the best magician I've seen on a football field. But I also feel like I've seen Ronaldo do it in what in what I consider to be the the toughest league, uh, the Premier League, in in a, in an age where he was really really raw, and he actually um, he actually succeeded at a high level in the Premier League. But getting the World Cup for me because it's so close between them both puts Messi ahead of Ronaldo in my book. But overall, the fact that three World Cups means it's across 12 years. is, is So you have the longevity box tick too. I think, yeah, I got to go with Pele. And you know, just to touch upon what Lee said, he wasn't just the first global superstar from football. I think he was the first global sports. superstar of not even sports. Like you look at any field of the world, which other name before that era did people like everybody everywhere knew us? You know, if it's not like say a religious figure like Jesus or something, right? Like no other <laughs> name can you come up with which everybody knew. Well, right? let me just make sure. I got to find out what year Muhammad Ali. So I actually there. looked into that the same day we have okay. this conversation. So they're very close. So I think we're talking about like a few years here and there, but I think Pele was just a little, a few years before ahead. him. Before yeah, him. yeah, because he won it. He won it in 58. What, 50, 58, right? So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say Pele. And when you said Ronaldo played in the toughest league, yeah. I can even evaporate that argument by saying, what was the last World Cup that Pele won? Uh, was, what year was uh, that? 70. 70, that's what I thought. Actually, that's... I'm sorry, they didn't win it. They didn't know three bit, right? So that three World Cups actually after 16 years. So right. Yeah, he played but, in four. Yeah, he played he in four. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that and yeah. then so here's yeah. here's my argument about toughest leagues in the world. Like Pele played on tougher pitches where when you're dribbling, you could beat the man, but you might not beat the pitch. A pothole <laughs> might tackle the ball from you. On yeah. top of that, in 70, was that in Mexico when he won? Where did he win that one? Even though it doesn't matter. That's, in that World Cup, that's when they first introduced the yellow and red card. So he was playing in an era where there was no yellow and no red card. Where in the World Cup before that, 
he got fouled out of the World Cup in 66. And so for most of his years, people could like foul the shit out of you and with no repercussions. So when you say Messi, Ronaldo played in a tough league, I know the Premier League, I respect it, but I just think it was just a tougher time. Oh, no, no. I was just comparing between, uh, when I said that, I was just comparing between Messi and Ronaldo. And why I feel like Ronaldo, like before this, before the World Cup was mm-hmm. like a slight touch ahead in terms of like overall accomplishments. Yeah, I know. I just want to shut down this argument for just everybody, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and I don't know. Sometimes you want somebody to be the best because it's emotionally. But then I went back. Like, when Messi won the World Cup that week, I spent a lot of time watching, like, like his 2008 best dribbles and skills. It's 2009 and, 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 like, a few seasons. And there's so many. He's mad fucking skillful. And then, and then, but then Pelly died. So I started looking at some of Pelly stuff. And you, I looked at some of Maradona stuff. And I even looked at George Best stuff because Pelly at one time said that George Best was the best. And like, just the eye test on all of them, there was nothing any of them that, that could do that Pelly did not do. The same moves, he did them all first. Somebody even made a video and said Pele did it first. And he showed moves that all of them did. And Pele did them first. Like every move. So there's a first guy to do all that shit. And then also, as far as like not playing in Europe, sometimes, and we argue about this all the time or debate it. Like sometimes somebody will say something that sounds really good and everybody just repeats it. They say Pele never played in Europe. Europe wasn't the Europe it is now back then. Like, and like you mentioned, None of the players from South America really went at that time to Europe to play in Europe. So those leagues weren't like the best leagues yet. So if you're in Brazil, where most of the best players are, there's four World Cup teams that qualified for the World Cup of players there. And you have to play against some of those players and some of them are your teammates. You're only getting better. And then when you had to meet on a big stage to prove who was the best, he won three. And he didn't win one of them because he got fouled out of it. And then he also won, like, I think two world club championships where the best clubs went head to head. And then he did tours with Santos in all over Europe and played those players. So it's just, just from watching the footage of just, I was talking to this guy. He's a Spurs fan, actually. It's not Martin. And he said he had a fire stick and he, he logged into like Brazilian TV because, and they showed like, you can see uh, Pele's hundred last goals for Santos. Like he watched it live on like Brazilian TV. And he said, it's crazy. And, and I watched so much stuff. But I'm going to try and go find that too. But I just think it's the same moves on a shittier pitch with dirtier players. And and the speed is on par with some of the speed now, you know, like just, just from the eye test. But I just think you win three World Cups and then you look at stuff and you compare them all. I feel like they're almost, to be honest, all on the same level. Like I went back and watched some of Ronaldo footage and the, his real Madrid shit is terrifying. Like, I felt like I was watching some shit I never saw before. And I watched it 
And it's like, you, you even forget how good Ronaldo was. But I, I would just say they're on a, the same level. And then somebody else who deserves a level of respect that his name is never mentioned among these guys, because Pele mentioned George Best. I went to look at George Best shit, right? This guy, this guy, like his name should be mentioned too. He's from Ireland, right? So Ireland, Northern really, Ireland, yeah. Northern Ireland, right? So they don't really never have a good team. <clears throat> you know, he's from Belfast, right? And mm-hmm. so they never, so he, they're not going to compete on an international level, but he played for Man United. And Glenn Huddle, right, got dropped a lot of times when he played for English teams because he was considered a luxury player. Now, George Best is a luxury player that will press the shit out of you like somebody with no skill. He played donkey, donkey, luxury football. Like, there's footage of him just one man pressing people. He'll press the whole fucking defense. Like, why is somebody with alcohol in his system? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's also a practicing alcohol he's while doing all of this. Through whiskey or whatever he drank, his <laughs> Irishness, and he's pressing an entire defense, and he has speed and flair that is... Like, I've never seen no shit like that. So I feel like he was pretty much one of the best people ever. But because internationally, like, you know, the, it's the luck of the draw. If you, you're from Wales, you know, you're not going to get that far internationally. And, but, uh, and same thing with, like, if you're Scottish or you're just Irish. Like, but George Best, man, my God, that motherfucker. On black and white pitches, all dirt, all dirt. Just attacking defenders, running all the way, one-twos, up and down the field, all the way into the goal, shots, dribbling, every fucking thing. So he also deserves like a, a shout-out too. But I'm going to go with Pele. I guess a good question at this point would be that, let's say in the next 20, 30 years, right? what could somebody do to be, to go past, to be, go past a Pele? Two World Cups and two Euros. Hmm. If it's a European player, or like two Copa, uh, I, don't, Copa. I don't think it's necessarily yeah, yeah. just just the titles as well. Though, like like Ian said, it's the eye test as well. It's watching mm. what they do and how they do it, and you know that level of quality as well. Because I think there's there's some players out there who like their honor roll is pretty decent. Like there's yeah, defenders yeah. you you won't you wouldn't yeah, even yeah. think of who've got the honor roll of you know. World Cups and, and Champions Leagues, but it's like, well, I think he's won like, he's probably won the most number of Champions Leagues. Yeah, he did. He won with Ajax, again. with Real Madrid, with AC Milan. Yeah. yeah. Um, he didn't win anything like with, with the Netherlands. They, the Netherlands have never, <laughs> they've yeah. not really won anything internationally. Um, but, you know, like I say, he, he was a good footballer, but you look at the stuff he was doing, it wasn't at the same level as as those guys. He's an elite level footballer who won consistently for years and that's, you know, massive. But like I say, there's there's something special about those guys who won things at the highest level, but were also doing things on the field that nobody else or very few others could do at the level mm-hmm. they were doing it at and in the games they were doing it at. And I think that's what separates it for me. Um, like I said, there's there's lots of, amazing players over the years who've done stuff but it's just yeah the eye test is a thing when you're watching what they're doing and asking yourself who else is doing it and who else is doing it consistently and at that level 
um, that's the real separator for me. Yeah, and speaking of eye tests, like, you know, everybody talks about Maradona's goal against England, right? But what about Pele, 17 years old, his goal in the World Cup final, the actual final against Sweden? Like, that's no normal goal. <laughs> like, that's yeah. a crazy goal. In a final, 17 years old, flipped the ball over somebody's head, volleyed into the back of the net. Like, people, like, there's hardly, everybody doesn't have a TV, but once you see that, you're like, global superstar. Like, it, so it's like, you got these people that scored these amazing goals and did these amazing things. I just think when something's in the past, people don't take the time to go back and look at the past. But I, I just had fun, like, looking at these people. And, and Ronaldo, like, like he, was, he was really fucking good. And I'm talking about Portuguese Ronaldo. And then I didn't even look at Brazilian Ronaldo, but you just have that feeling that he's not ahead of, uh, of, of Pele. But no, he's not ahead sorry. of Pele. But when you watch, when you when you watch like Brazilian Ronaldo, he was frightening. Yeah, the yeah. stuff he was doing, and and it's only like you know some bad life choices and injury injury problems, which I think led to those as well. Um, that slowed him down because he was on course to be one of the best ever um and if you watch his best of videos and the stuff he was doing for for barca for real madrid for brazil uh for inter Mm -hmm. um yeah the guy was just a monster one of the best games i think one of the best individual performances i've ever seen um Mm -hmm. which i was sat at home as a kid watching live on tv was was man united versus real madrid at old trafford oh yeah and 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 ronaldo hit a hat trick and Like literally, he got a standing ovation from the United fans because yeah. he was that good that day, um, and he was just unplayable. Um, and yeah, he, he's been one of my favourites to watch of you know the era that I've been alive for for sure. Um, but it's just yeah, a shame that he wasn't able to do it for as long as he could have. Right. And I remember that game, and Beckham had a good game that game, right? Mm. He scored a couple. Yeah, of yeah. This was like yeah. I think around the time when his transfer was already sealed. Uh, Beckham. No, no I, I think that really put like him in the like he was famous but i think that game kind of put him more on the radar for like you know the real madrid what's his name the, the galactico guy the guy that wants to put because you perez. see perez like, yeah perez yeah like he's like oh shit like oh i could add this to this squad like beckham also is underrated for like the energy he would put into a match like he was just a pretty boy he was also like a fighter like a straight up fighter with flair. Like mm-hmm. he'd give you everything. Like you can't play for Alex Ferguson and just be a pretty boy. You have to like want that shit. And Beckham did that shit too. And as far as like Ronaldo Phenomenal, like he was fucking great. I just didn't get a chance to look at like his uh highlights. But I, I just like that's one of the greatnesses that you don't even have to look at film. It just stays with you. You know? So I imagine if I look at it, it'll just probably even enhance my belief in him being one of the greatest even more. So, yeah. Yeah, just, just looking at that game, 2003, it was 4-3 to mm-hmm. United was a score. Yeah. But, but 4-3 to United? United. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we got knocked out anyway. Mm. But Beckham scored those two late goals, right? And I think, yeah. I, it, so Beckham left at the end of that season, right? There were already quite a few rumors yeah. Uh, or was that 2004? 
it, it was it was pretty soon after then. Um, yeah, yeah I, I remember that. like the reason why I remember is I listen. I remember somebody in comedy saying that. Well, if Real Madrid had, had any doubts, they don't have any more. Something, something you know, worse than that. Oh, okay. Talking about Beckham uh, being in their sights. I mean, well, they they took Van Nistelrooy not long after that as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he scored that game too. Yeah. Uh, let me see something. I'm just trying to roll back to the. So, what do you think of like the Boxing Day fixtures and some of these? results like man city tying with everton thank you everton uh and newcastle doing what they're doing and we should we should talk about this newcastle versus uh arsenal game is it thursday <laughs> it's this week for sure i can't remember if it's wednesday or thursday but it's yeah it's coming up <laughs> i'll tell you i'll tell you i'll tell you it's where is this thing Manu plays Bournemouth tomorrow. Where is this thing? Yeah, no, it's shit. What is this thing doing? <laughs> Crystal Palace, Tottenham, Aston Villa, Wolves. Wednesday's Leeds versus West Ham. Wednesday's Southampton versus Forest. All right, Lee. Manu versus Bournemouth tomorrow. <laughs> oh, there it is. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Arsenal versus Newcastle. Now, number three versus number one. <laughs> what do you think of Newcastle's chances of going to the Emirates and drawing some blood? I mean, they've got, they've got a chance. Um, the way they're playing right now. I mean, I know they were... They faltered a little bit against Leeds. They still managed to not lose the game, um, mm-hmm. which was big. Um, you know, that's what a team needs to do. If you're not playing that great in a game, at least take a point. Um, mm-hmm. And they did that. So, yeah, I think it'll be a really interesting game. It'll be interesting to see who dominates the game and and what sort of setup Newcastle go there with, whether or not they just say, okay, we're playing Arsenal. They want the ball. We'll let them have it. We'll maybe try and play on the counter because... I think some of their players they've got kind of suit the counter-attack as well, um, depending on who starts up front for them as well. Because if, if it's Wood, he's not really a counter-attacking player, but they've got players who can who can do that. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. And be interesting to see how that... Because that midfield for Arsenal at the moment is pulling teams apart. Um, when Partey's in there, Jack is playing different this season. Odegaard is quite possibly one of the most effective players in the league right now um, with the amount of assists and goals he's popping up with. So have Newcastle got the players to go toe-to-toe with them? <laughs> I think Joe Linton will be a, he'll be pretty key for them because he's going to obviously be in the midfield um, unless they put him out wide to try and run in on the counters. Um, but Bruno Gimaresh is going to be in there as well. So it's that midfield battle is going to be really, really interesting. And then it's... Two of the best midfields in the Premier League going at it. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see with Trippier as well, because he has been doing so much for Newcastle this season. You know, he's been a big influence on them. Um, he provides a lot for them attacking-wise, but he's going to be going up against Martinelli, and Martinelli is going to make him defend. Um, he's going to mm-hmm. he's going to look to pin him back and stop him from getting 
deep into that Arsenal half at all. Um, so there's loads of interesting battles all across the pitch in this game. Um, I, I can't remember who it's likely to be, whether it's Burn. Or if, if I mean, Newcastle better not play Burn on the left because I think Saka will eat him up. He's a good player, but I think Saka will eat him up. Um, this is a real test for some of these Newcastle players defensively going up against an attack this good. Um, mm-hmm. Because Arsenal at the moment, they're on fire. I mean, you saw against Brighton, Brighton caused Arsenal problems, but Arsenal were just like, fuck it, we're going to outscore you. Um, we're going to, mm-hmm. you know, a 4-2 win. They, they, they forgot a little bit about their defending in that game. And so now we're just going to go all out and, and finish you. Um, and I could see this one being high scoring because I think Newcastle, I think Newcastle have got it in them to score in this game at the Emirates. But mm-hmm. I think Arsenal have probably got it in them to score one or two more. So I think it could be similar to that Brighton game. But I mean, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Newcastle could go there if their game plan's right and if the players are all on form and play to their full potential, they could win it. Uh, so, you know, I, I do think Arsenal, especially based on a lot of the stuff you're saying, have an advantage. But this is, let me just say something, Lloyd. Lloyd asked me a question. He, and it's something based on the clip we just posted of Neil saying something about <laughs> Newcastle. Neil does not like their form because it means bad news for Chelsea. And like you keep on, you said you were waiting for them to what? Alter or to drop off, yeah. Or waiting for the Newcastle to drop off, yeah. And, right. It's and and uh, Lloyd, right, said that to me. He said, they're going to drop off. You know what I said to Lloyd? Isaac is injured. Callum Wilson is injured. And uh, sent. Maximum is just coming back. What if this is their fall off? Like when those players come back, they're only going to be better. Like to be able to like sub those guys in and get them more playing time and get their legs Premier League worthy is only going to be and mean an improved Newcastle. So this is them with their fall off. Their fall off is starting Joe Linton out of position because his new position is midfielder. So now they start him left wide on mm-hmm. the left. That's that's St. Maximum's position. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so their fall off is using long staff. Their fall off is using Woods, right? Their fall off, like Woods should be coming off the bench for them. And with their fall off, they're still getting results and they're third. So wait till they get Isaac <laughs> and what's his name back? Isaac, Will, Will, Saint Wilson and, and, Mac- Wilson and, and Saint Wilson. both came off the both came off the bench against Leeds. Right. So, so they're almost there. Few, they're almost there. So yeah. listen, they did their, their fall off period. They're about to step it up another level and chase Arsenal up the table. And uh, so this is going to be super interesting. Like, there's a lot of players here that don't want to get replaced. They love Saudi money. And they're saying, <laughs> you ain't going to just, like, buy a whole new team and get rid of me like that. I'm sticking around. And you brought up, uh, just on the Arsenal side, you brought up uh, Odengard. Oh, my gosh. This dude. Fam, what he's doing now, I bet Laporte. Is it Laporte? We just mentioned his name. What's the real Madrid guy? 
who put the Galacticos together. Perez. He's like, yeah. hey, hey, what about that guy on Arsenal? I think we should buy him. And they're like, bro, we sold him. He was ours. <laughs> and he's like, get the fuck out of here. We had that guy? Yeah, we had that guy. That was the guy? Yeah, that was the guy. How much did, did Arsenal get him for from Liverpool, from Real Madrid? I think it was like 20 mil. I think it was not that much. But this motherfucker is balling his ass off like on an, an elite level. And I don't know if he can keep this up, but I kind of almost hope he does. And uh, But I, I do think Arsenal is like one parte injury away from like collapse. Like I don't see who they'll use to replace him if he goes out. So uh, I, I, we beat them when they had no parte, you know. So that's their issue. And I uh, if Neil got stuff to jump in on this, I'm sorry I was talking a lot. I mean, I, I feel like in the kind of season Arsenal's having, there are these certain seasons where you feel like. Just the you know the level of that the team is playing, and the and the way everything is in sync, the tactics are on point. It elevates even players that you would otherwise not expect a lot from. So, um, somebody like Shaka, for, for example, he's playing at a level where Shaka is playing at a level which you know you, I, I at least have, didn't think he had that in him. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. Like I, I know what you're saying about uh, you know if Park is injured, who would come in? But I wouldn't be surprised if somebody just raised the level and you know because now they know you have a chance at. You, there is no scope of like meandering along. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they have somebody. Or, you know the the chances in the windows open. They might even buy somebody. Uh, to just go for it and make sure that they have they make this league uh, lead count because this is the best shot they've had at winning the league in over almost two decades now. Last time they won the league was two thousand three, right or two thousand two. So this is their chance to make to make count. Who's the guy that they're rumored to be looking at? It's like a midfielder from the U. Mudrik, Mudrik from Mudrik? Shakhtar. Yes. And he played yeah, he on Ukraine. Uh, I think he played for the national team, but he scored three goals for Shakhtar in the Champions League group right. stage, which is isn't he, for bad for a winger. Is he What's Russian, though? Is he... Is he Russian? No, he's, he's Ukrainian. He's Ukrainian. He's Ukrainian? Yeah. Oh. What's, his, what's his position, though? Is it like CDM, like Partey, or box-to-box? Because Partey's... Oh no, he's 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 Partey is an eight. Um, okay. No, Mudrick's Mudrick's a winger. He can play either side. He can play. I think he's right footed, but he plays on the left, cutting in on his right, which would put him in direct competition with Martinelli. Um, but he can play on the other side as well, so they could switch him in for Saka. Um, Martinelli can obviously play central as well. So I'm not sure they need him right now, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. That's, if, that's if, if they if they, th- if they think he's good enough, then yeah yeah it, this this would just all be 
interesting. Like that that's that's the game to watch tomorrow, eleven forty five for me. There's two games on, but I, I feel bad for the other game. Who's gonna wanna watch Leicester Fulham? And I like watching Fulham, but it's all about that Austin Newcastle. Uh do you wanna talk about Southampton Fulham? Yeah, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it. I've got some thoughts. Yeah, what's, what's the thoughts? <laughs> um, the thought is that we didn't play horrifically in this game. Um, you know, first half, we set up 5-4-1. We looked to frustrate them. We did that. Um, we countered. Shea Adams had a massive chance on the counter-attack where he got in 1v1 with Leno. Uh, Leno did well, to be fair, to force a save, but a, a, a Premier League striker should be looking to finish a chance from there. Um, and then we've conceded two goals from corners. And one of them was a very specific routine where Nathan Jones said he'd showed the players 10 times on the training ground. This is what they do from these corners. Oh, shit. Um, so but both goals we conceded were from corners, which, like I said about Brentford maximising that, and you know that's on Liverpool for not defending that. It's on us for not defending that against Fulham. Like These are the little things that can turn a game. You can play well for... The majority of the game but if you if you fuck up on corners then it can cost you um and it's a shame because it ruins all the hard work like this was a much more improved performance than the brighton game because mm-hmm. fulham are a good team right now and to go there and almost take a point which you know i was hoping i was praying we could get the point because i think it would have lifted confidence a little bit just something to cling to mm-hmm. um and then you know to, to lose it on two corner set piece goals um, I mean, annoyingly one of them wasn't even going in as well the uh, the first one from Andreas Pereira was going wide and it hit Ward Prowse and then flew into the top corner it was going wide before that but these are the bits of luck that sometimes you you don't get when you're down the bottom um, like it never rains but it pours and uh, yeah we just we didn't have the players to be clinical enough at the other end of the field like you know it was, it was another I say I was saying I think on the last podcast that Ward Prowse hadn't really been scoring free kicks for a while and he put this one in no problem uh Leonard he heard you was was grabbing air <laughs> um <laughs> so so he's stepping up but the fact it worries me that you know we're only scoring from the like Warprouse's goal against Brighton was a rebound off a penalty this goal was a free kick like we're missing chances in open play um that aren't good enough and I think if you look at big chances created what they term as big chances um we're in the top half of the Premier League this season for big chances created, which mm-hmm. is a damning statement on our finishing. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're giving away goals from corners constantly at the other end of the field. Um, that's a problem. Um, and we need to fix both those things. If we're not, if we're giving up silly, like I was saying, we live well, if we're giving up silly goals and then we're not taking our chances at the other end on a much worse scale, we're, you know, it's hurting us uh, the same way it's hurting Liverpool. But like I say, it's for us, it's potentially going to cost us our place in the in the league, and I don't want that. Um, you know, it gives me some some nice little short away trips next year, maybe to Millwall and places <laughs> like that, um, Charlton maybe. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you want to be a Premier League team, and it'd be interesting to see if Jones has it in him to fix these things because. We're not the biggest team overall across the pitch, but we've got some big centre-backs. And I think that's maybe why he wants to play three centre-backs so that he's got more protection on set pieces. But he started with three centre-backs and we conceded a corner in the first half of that game. So yeah. um, 
yeah, he needs to he needs to figure that out or figure out a way to to minimise the risk of giving away corners as well because that might be part of it too. Um, but yeah, he needs to find the solutions. But I'm glad there was an improvement from the Brighton game. That's the small silver lining that I'm clinging to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't still wasn't great. But it's it's at least it didn't get worse. It got a little yeah. bit better. <laughs> Fulham's not an easy win. So no. yeah, so. But I mean, we might we might chat after the Forest game on Wednesday, and I might be in full meltdown mode if we if we because lost you, badly. You feel like you should get that. I don't feel like we should get it because Forest are a good team. They've got pace and power in their team, and you know they've got players that can play well. Like they obviously, when we're going to touch on it when we discuss the Chelsea game, they caused yeah, Chelsea some some problems. So not and Forest yeah, isn't a given, but they've scored one goal away from home all season. One goal. Um, if we let them score any more than that, then that's not good. Um, go, and go we ahead, Lee. Looking... You can just talk about Nottingham Forest right now. And... <laughs> um, <laughs> but we we need to be winning that game. Like they're they're a good team, and we've got no right to beat them. But we need to be winning that game if we've got ambitions of staying in this league. Because if we if they come and they roll us over without us even putting up a fight, then that for me is worrying to the point where it's like I'm not sure we're going to turn this around now. Um, like I think it's for us it's on a knife edge at the moment and it depends what the next performances are like because we've got some games coming up where we can potentially take some points if we play well and also we've got some time to buy players I don't think there's going to be many uh, Jones has talked about maybe one or two um, there's a striker from Lorient in France who I'm really interested in Nigerian guy Tofi um, who's looked very good for them this season he's quick powerful good finisher so He's someone that I wouldn't mind us getting in, but I think they're about to potentially have a partnership with Bournemouth, Lorient, so they mm-hmm. might veto that one if we don't get in there quick. But we need we need some reinforcements. Um, I don't know how quickly they'll come or whether they'll be the right sort of players, um, but we need them soon and we need to figure out a way out of this because at the moment, if I was a betting man and someone uh, told me to put all my money on staying up or going down, right now I'll put it on going down. Oh, damn. Damn. Yeah, I'd put it on there too. Ivan Tony would put it on there too. Uh, <laughs> 50 times. <laughs> 230 something like times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, my friend was telling me that that was Ivan Tony bets, if he did make him, was like five years ago when he's like in the like semi pro down in the lower leagues. Is yeah, that why he's, he got off? Like, because I'm surprised he's still playing. He's, he's not off. Yeah, it's he's just pending until he, he's been charged with it, but he's not been found guilty of it yet. So then he could still play. Yeah, yeah. It looked like it. Okay. Yeah. But, mm. you know. So, Neil, you want to take another drink before we talk about Chelsea or are you good? <laughs> it's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> you want to mix yourself something? Uh, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> straight from the, you'd be going straight from the bottle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pour yourself check. something and take your time because we want a, an explanation. Of Nottingham I mean, Forest it, versus Chelsea, one-one, a team. It, it, it really feels should like be it quick should be. because uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's kind of like Groundhog Day. You've had the same, uh, you've had the same kind of uh, game a lot of times in the recent past. So mm-hmm. it's it's not that it's really new. It's it's reminiscent of a lot of games that Chelsea has played in the last couple of years, where we have a good half. I think we were really good in that first half. But um, even though 
we had just that one goal and there's a little element of luck in that goal um you know with the ball falling nicely in Sterling's path after hitting the crossbar uh but Pulisic was really good in that uh in that play like that goal was all Pulisic the way he got past his man they got a really nice cross and you know Havertz kind of does his flick and he could have gone like it would be a really nice um, uh goal if he had, if that had got in but then it Sterling, wasn't Havertz that came off the defender and hit the post Oh, really, I thought I thought Havertz got uh, a touch on it. No, it looked like him at first, but a then trauma. they just kept on showing a replay, and then it came off. Oh, okay. Was it Bali? Yeah, probably. Yeah. See, that just shows how terrible uh, Chelsea played. Because if I'd seen the highlights or the replay, I would have known that. But I never even bothered to go back and check what's going on. You didn't want to see it again. I don't want to see. It. I just want to shut it up. Yeah, you should, didn't so, want to at least watch the one positive thing that y'all did that game. <laughs> and then stop watching the highlights after you go. Yeah, I should do that. Like, you know how they say like the extended highlights, but all the good stuff. Yeah, right. So, uh, but then we the North Korean out. highlights. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we come out of the you know, the dressing room after the half, and within the first few minutes, uh, Brentford, uh, sorry, Nottingham Forest could have scored twice. Mm-hmm. It was so bizarre, like what just happened? And you think that it's probably just, you know, just some inertia that's that's gonna, you know, now that we've got the wake-up call, we're gonna start becoming good again. But then it just never the half went completely the other way from the previous half. And we never even and then the score from a corner, which again, um like, you know, when we had that really good spell under Cucal where we were barely conceding shots, let alone goals. Um, and we won the Champions League on the back of, um, you know, one of the best ever defensive performances in the, in the Champions League. We were so strong in our set pieces, defending them, like, mm-hmm. you know, like the, if somebody would always pop up, head the ball away. But that's just gone out of the game. Like we're so soft now. We feel like we can always concede when we. It's, um, it's criminal for a player to be able to chest the ball down and then yeah. volley it in from in the in the six yard box as well. Yeah. Like, he yeah, did yeah, really. Yeah. He did really well with it, Aurier, but he shouldn't yeah. have the time to do those two things. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, I mean, I don't know if it's the fact that it's not Mendy, it's Kepa, who you know, he really hasn't been aerial. Balls haven't been his strong point anyway. But he is, you know, many's not been good. So he is our number one keeper right now. So he we need to rely on him for, for the decision making on these things. And you know, Thiago Silva, Kolobali, such experienced defenders as Puliketa, you'd think that the decision making between those those three would be pinpoint, but no, it was just just such a soft goal to let go. And then after that, you think that. You ch- okay, you're Chelsea. You have you're a team that's got you know aspirations of being near the top. You got to chase the game, right? And that should reflect in what's happening from there on till the end of the game. I don't think we had a shot. Forget a shot in target. I don't think we had a shot till the very very end. <laughs> like it was bizarre. Like we weren't even creating, getting into positions to score. So you know we had one nice little cross. And uh, Aubameyang goes for it, misses it. Pulisic, you know, should be should be in there. And then he 
it's almost like he thought, oh, Obama and Obama has got this, so I don't need to mm-hmm. stretch. And I'm like, dude, this Chelsea, nobody's got this. You should always think <laughs> that the guy in front of you is going to miss. <laughs> Have you not been with this team for the last couple of years? <laughs> so, so, yeah, it was just it was so pure. And then Graham Potter's kind of getting on my nerves with his press conferences now, like... <laughs> He somebody needs to tell him that. Like I think maybe his barber needs to tell him because his barber is the only guy in this whole equation that's trying to get him to Chelsea level. <laughs> Everything else is falling Hilarious. apart. Like he, you know what he said? He said, "I think it would have been unfair if he had gotten more than one point." Like how are you saying that as a manager of Chelsea? Like you gotta have a little bit of that big dick energy, even if you know it's not really happening for you. So, yeah, like he's he's so shy of shitting on the ref. Like, come on now, <laughs> you know I've, I've grown up on Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte. Like, absolutely, <laughs> love, but you got it. Yeah, you got to have that little bit of fight. I mean, you know, I guess it's just you know, it's just my frustration, but I <laughs> I definitely want want to see um, a little bit more from Potter. But yeah, it's yeah I. It's bad. Like I, I, I don't know. Like I always feel like we should. Every manager should be given till the end of the season to prove himself. Um, which is why I'm so much against stupid sacking, even though that didn't really happen for footballing reasons. But like I know we are not a great team, right? Okay, we don't have the divine right to compete for a the league. We shouldn't be competing for the league. We should possibly not even be in the top four uh, uh, race. But we shouldn't be ninth on the points tally. We are not that bad a team. And actually, ninth is an overperformance. If you look at every other stat, we are not even in the top half. We are not in the top half for goal score. We are not in the top half for shots taken. We are not in the top half for XG. We are not in the top half for big chances created. We we shouldn't actually ninth is a Sunday scenario for us. So, so the, yeah, like I don't know if this continues. Uh, how, uh, with, on what basis are we going to back the manager? Oh, like, gonna I want to back the manager, but he needs to show us something. It's going to continue because you got Ch- Man City next. <laughs> and we got Man City back to back because we also have to play these fuckers in the first round of the FA Cup <laughs> after only having played them in the first round of the League Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when like, Chelsea yeah. drops points and you drink. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me ask you a question about, uh, I keep looking at my phone. Enzo, to see, Enzo like, Fernandez. No, not Enzo. Well, okay. that, that too. But so you played most of the players you played from your last game, except mm. James, cause he was injured. But did you play the same formation? Yeah. Because now, um, um, Pulisic and Ziyech are actually playing as, uh, sorry, Pulisic and Sturdy are actually playing as winners. Which I think is a positive thing. I've, I've been wanting to go to the forward at the back because uh, because I always have felt like we have these wingers who are good on their day, but they never get to play in their actual position. For the sake Sterling's years and uh, Hudson Rodeven is here, but he's not here at the season. But um, I think it's positive that they're playing in their roles. And, you know, I hope that we stick to that and I have confidence that that part of the game will figure this out. We just need to 
Yeah, like scoring. I don't know. Bamian has now played two games on the bench and Havertz, even though you know he had a good game last season. But with Havertz, it's like you know it, you're getting what you're uh, what you're seeing that he's not um, he's not an actual number nine. He's trying to be a number nine, so there's gonna be problems. Um, so yeah, I don't know. So play a Bamian. Bamian hasn't been that great. <laughs> <laughs> and and you hear Lukaku and, talking. And Roya has, is injured for the whole He's season. Injured. So, and, and you hear Lukaku talking about he wants to stay at Inter. Yeah, Lukaku. Nobody's asking about you. Just like, why do you have to still <laughs> bother us from the grave? Like, just this stuff taking on them. Like, I feel like Will Smith right now. <laughs> does, does he know that? Get my wife's name out of your mouth. <laughs> Keep my team's name out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it looks rough, Neil. It looks yeah, rough yeah. to be a Chelsea fan right now. Uh, we, we apparently have an agreement with this guy. So we bought him, uh, Fofana from Malta. He was at the game in, in, a Chelsea, in Chelsea tracksuit. What's his position again? He's a striker. But he's like Where'd 19, right? Yeah, so of course he's not going to be able to help us. You know? Not right now. Yeah. Unless you're, you're desperate. We apparently you know, did get, uh, we are getting this uh, Monaco center back whose name I can't really pronounce. Um, <laughs> so we are definitely getting him. Everything is apparently done. How many people are you buying, bro? Even though you're cursed yeah. defensively, somebody's always getting sick or injured or yeah. two people left the club. So they they like they they went to, but man, and and what do you think about Enzo Fernandez? One hundred and twenty seven mil, is he worth it? No, I think he's a good player. I don't think he's he's a one hundred twenty seven million euros worth a good player. I generally don't feel midfielders should cost that much. Like unless you're giving me like <laughs> you know twenty goals and assists in the season. Like I feel like that amount of money should be. Reserved for the kind of guy who's taking you from good to great, or from you know great to like absolutely like the uh, you know like when Maradona went to Napoli. Yeah, or like you know how Haaland came to City, or um, even when Van Dijk and Allison when they went to Liverpool, when everything was in place, you just knew that you need those final pieces. But Enzo Fernandez isn't the final piece. So, and he's not going to be the difference maker that will make sure that you're now competing for a league title. So I don't understand. And I generally don't know like what kind of a hedge fund this is that is, that seems to be so, you know, itchy to just spend money. To spend other people's money. It's like we want him. What's his price? 50, uh, we play at 60. Mm-hmm. And they're just getting anybody. So, yeah, I, I think he's a good player, though. Like, I watched him um, mostly during the World Cup, and I, I don't think he put a foot wrong. And I think he definitely deserved that Young Player of the Tournament uh, award. And I like that he has a little bit of that, you know, the shithousery in him, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that he absolutely launched the ball into the Dutch dugout was amazing. 
So yeah, that I was Paredes. Oh, that was Paredes. I thought that was it. Yeah, against Netherlands. No, against Netherlands, that was oh, Paredes. Damn, who did that. So not even giving the but, but I mean. Argentina are all shit houses. Let's face it. Yeah, um, yeah, even yeah. Messi was a shit house this tournament. But um, yeah. I think though it's, it speaks to the good business. I mean, whoever they sell him to and how much they sell him for, it's going to be a big profit. And it just speaks to the the good business that Benfica do every single year. Um, I hope nobody buys him. Like, if any club want to follow a model for produce it or finding good talent and nurturing them for a few years or even a couple of years. Um, and then selling them for big profit, Benfica are the kings. Um, and Porto aren't Sounds that far familiar. behind either. Um, <laughs> I think it sounds Benfica like Southampton well. used to do that. <laughs> well, we did it though as a mid-Premier League team. Like, it's easier when you're giving those players Champions League experience like Benfica are because it, the exposure yeah. level is different. So they did it with Nunez last season. Um, they've done it with countless players over the years as well. So, so many. Um, mm. Like Every year they seem to have one big sale that, will fund the rest of their squad for that season. Um, and yeah, they buy smart. They've, they've, they've obviously got some of the best scouts in the game, especially in South America as well, that they always, they always find the right player at the right price. And then, yeah, they generate massive amounts of profit. They're, um, yeah, they're very good at what they do. Yeah. And yeah. we've apparently now uh, uh, compiled this Avengers team of super scouts and recruitment people and yet we're still having to throw money at problems like you know why are we having to throw 130 million at a problem if scouting is <laughs> going to be a and you don't need to use the best scouts in the world to be you know uh, to be able to spend like you know that's a yeah. bank account i know that's that's like uh the different like you guys are in fight or flight mode you're not thinking mm-hmm. like with a clear head so you're like our fans don't want us to keep losing. We got to fix this thing. And I know we put these, we, we hired these people to help us build a team, but we ain't got no time for that also at the same time. And that's why I worry about all these young players that you're buying. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't think they'll ultimately really ever play for you guys because you guys won't give them a chance just because and, and no, Chelsea. And Enzo will, but it's a lot of money to have over your head and play. It's like when you put, it's a lot of money to be sold for at that young. I think Benfica, I know you got to get make money, but you're doing yourself, doing these plays at this service, mm-hmm. like selling them for that much money. And again, that's like the team who buys him and he's successful at should be selling him for that price after like his first spell at that team. It shouldn't be Benfica getting that European money for it because it's just too early in his career and his development to put 120 something million on a young player like that. I, if I, I, if I, if yeah. I was him, I'd be like, man, I don't want that sell-on clause. Nah, change that shit. I wonder if a player I, can do that. I don't want that pressure. I want that responsibility. No, Benfica is going to just hold him to his contract, but that's a release clause. That's not the money they've negotiated. So, but I will say this though, that that we do need that kind of player because as I said, like in the last game, we weren't even getting into positions to take shots. Like we weren't even creating any chances. So additions in midfield, if they can help with that, definitely it helps. And, you know, the whole physical element, we have a very soft midfield. Like, 
Jorginho gets outrun by the referee. Conte, um, nicest man alive. Like we can, it's we are a little soft. So, and you know, Kovacic gets injured a lot. Conte is almost always injured. Like I, I was reading the stat. Like I think in the last more than I think 14, 15 months, Reese James, Ben Chilwell, and Ingola Conte have played one game together. So there's. So there's definitely that that midfield spot. Definitely, we can um, use somebody like him. It's surprising though. Like it's all we already got this guy Andre Santos from Vasco da Gama, who's also supposed to be this really nice technical midfield maestro. Uh, so I wonder what the plan is. Like, do we use both of them? Do we still need to buy a DM? Because Enzo Fernandez is not DM, right? Like he's not. Unless we apply trying to use him as this modern DM who can, you know, play um, play the ball forward a lot, but I think he's more of a box to box player. So, yeah, I've, I read um, a report on him earlier. Uh, I've just found it now, and it says, um, you know, for twelve point five million euros, he's potentially a steal as an eighteen year old. But they describe him as a box to box midfielder. So it says oh, that he can Andres play. Santos? Are you talking about Andre Santos? Yeah, yeah, Andre Santos. Yeah, so, Andre Santos. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so can play as a six or an eight. Yeah. Like high dribbling skills, good defensive um, stuff with tackling and in the air. Um, but apparently like his ball retention is the issue for him. Mm. So good dribbling and stuff, but actual actual passing mm. um, is, yeah, a little bit lower. But I'll send you the link to that because it's quite a detailed statistical Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I'd need that because... Well, what I know so far is uh, a Juninho quote where he said that, you know, he's, he's better than what um, he was at that age. So, which is, which is a good thing, I guess. Well, there you go, Neil. Those <laughs> scouting network that they bought, they're doing their job, man. You found this guy. <laughs> so you're, you're going to be all right. Uh, I, yeah. I'll, just, I'll just run through some scores real quick. Before we get out of here, uh, not going to stay a lot on Man United this week, but we beat Wolves one nothing. And at Wolves, Wolves is a tough team to play. They're very frustrating. Marcus Rashford started on the bench uh, because he showed up late for a meeting, but then got it in the second half and went into full Marcus Rashford form. I think he created more chances in one half than Marshall created in the whole game for himself. And Marshall, uh, I'm not going to be hard on you. It's just that you, let's listen, you have to press. You know, you have to press. And that's how you got goals in the preseason. That's how you got goals when we were down, getting our ass beat by Man City and you came in as a sub. You put some pressure on you. You exerted yourself, you know, saying you, you got into it and you weren't into it this game. So get into that mindset that there's no more jogging if you're forward for Man U. Uh, Man City, Everton, we talked about 1-1. Crystal Palace beat Bournemouth. Uh, and then uh, here's the fun thing I wanted to end the podcast in was Villa beating Tottenham. So we could all have something, to, <laughs> a topic to enjoy talking about. And end with a smile. <laughs> end with a smile, man. And Conti <laughs> saying 
like the shit that Conti said, and I wanted to read it and go through it, but it's already six thirty because we. But it's like, bro, you just lost to a coach who just got to that team, and you're talking about how you're building. It's just not like when you're at home, and the team that beat you has a coach that's like five games in, and you've been with your team, say almost a year. You can't talk about building a base and getting new players <laughs> and spending money when the other guy hasn't bought even an assistant coach. You know what I mean? You just you can't lose to Villa and then talk about you want money. Like you, you just just take the L, say we underperformed, and don't blame personnel and the fact that you need money. It's just almost like not ex- being accountable for how your team played. And uh, they actually, Spurs actually tried to win the first half of a football game for the first time in a long time. But even <laughs> that's that Emery em- Emery did what Emery does in sometimes in these big games. He's got a tendency to to drop off in the 4-4-2 shape that he likes and then play on the counter. Mm-hmm. And he's a lot more, I would say tactically aware at, at when to do it than Conte because mm-hmm. Emery knows like, if you watch Emery teams there's games where they go out and they pass the opposition off the pitch and they play high intensity football attacking wise but he also knows which games to go now nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend this one and and try and hit him on the counter so like I say he, he's very clever at knowing when to do that and he picked the perfect game to do this because Tottenham aren't used to having the ball a lot of those players they're like Conte starved them of the ball this season and then Villa came and sat deep and, and defended their half and Spurs were like how the hell do we deal with this now um, which you know they're, they're going to need to get used to that because not every team will, will let them play like they often play where they sit back and yeah I mean they were effective at, at, um, Villa in what they did um, you know they took their chances when they came and yeah Spurs a little bit. I think they had a goal disallowed in the first half, which if it had gone in and counted, could have been uh, could have been different. But yeah, I mean, credit to Villa, credit to Emery. It's um, yeah, it's a big result. It was an ugly game, just the way Emery drew it up. Like like I could mm. barely watch the game, but that's the plan to look frustrating, to to not make you look disjointed, and to make you feel mm. like like you're moving in quicksand and then to hit you in the middle of your frustration. And then now you really need a goal and then they frustrate you even more and mess with your patience and your timing and uh, take you out of your rhythm. But yeah. Just looking looking at the stats, like Spurs only had two shots on target out of six shots and Villa had 13 shots, four on target. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, Conte has to do better than complain. It, it just never goes well when you're complaining about money. Like I feel that's a part of what's going to happen with Klopp now. Like he's complaining about everything, but maybe he's just protecting his team. But Conte like threw his team under the bus. I got shit players. I need better ones <laughs> to the press. That's a weird flex. So I don't, I don't know if you got anything to 
add to that fire to Martin's team. It's just good to see them lose. I tell you that they had it coming. There's a bunch of games they should have lost, and they came back and won. But this time they dropped full points, so I'm happy about that. Well, it's especially good for you because you're taking their yeah. spot in the top four now. You're cementing that. Yeah, they did us a favor. We passed them the day the, the game before. We still have a game in hand, and then Villa handed them this ass whooping. So now we're ahead of them with a game in hand. So now we're in the top four, which I, you know, if we slip out of it, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm going to stick to what I thought at the beginning of the season. But United is doing some very interesting things. I want to give a shout out to our new left center back, Luke Shaw, for like doing an amazing job the last two games. A left back playing center back, partnering with Varane. There's so many players that have improved and we didn't like play a great game, but we still are not like a full fledged, like 10 hog team, but on your way to becoming a full fledged Ajax, like 10 hog team, you'd like to win those games. And it, and it, it's one of those games that I'm like deciding if I want to see it again. And most likely no, like I normally watch a United game twice, but it's like, eh, I'll just take the win on this one. I ain't going <laughs> to see it again. Is he playing left center back in the back four or back three? Yeah. Back four. Back, back four. four. Oh, wow. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. So he's playing yeah. as a proper center back. Proper center back. No bullshit. Maguire's on the bench watching how it's done. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's Two clean sheets. Oh, okay. Maguire. Two clean sheets. The player, you know, one of the players of the tournament, right? Wasn't he like in the team of the uh, World Cup? I hope so, so we could sell them. <laughs> but it's just like Shaw's improved. Uh, we got Casemiro. Like what we're, what, what, you know, Wolves is a frustrating team. But what 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 we're also doing is becoming a team that's hard to score on. So even if we we win by one or two goals, like we've presented issues for the other team, and that's a part of what we need to do. And I think we could have even got more goals if Marshall was in the right mode. Like him not pressing, it's like you might as well have Ronaldo because Ronaldo can't press. You you got to press, bro. You got to go full Mitrovic and and press, and something will happen. As soon as uh, Rashford got in the game, like he shook it up and and created some stuff. And he should have got a little that bit unlucky with that too. disallowed one. Yeah, you can't really do yeah, much yeah. when a ball bounces up like that. Yeah, it would have hit like his body one. and went in. Yeah, that, like yeah. that one, you should, you should have. And it endangers us at the end of the game. It was like a horror movie with those corners that Wolves got at the end of the game, <laughs> and they could have easily put the, you know, put put a goal in and tied that, and that would have been gut wrenching, and that would have hurt. But also another shout out to an improved player, David de Gea, the saves that he's making after the shaky start for just the whole team. What he's doing, just, just beautiful. I think we have Bournemouth next. Let me just check that. But yeah, United doing their thing. Now that's my La Liga thing. Yeah, it's Bournemouth next for you guys. Bournemouth next. I think it's I, a home I game. Told, I, I told you Bournemouth are dropping off as well. They did nothing against Palace. I told you. It does, I told you it's, 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 this is the wire, Michael B. Jordan. This isn't Killmonger they got. This is... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope they wire <laughs> us this win when they come to us <laughs> tomorrow. Is, are we playing them tomorrow? 
what is why is my phone like telling me what so tomorrow is so 11:45 is Leicester Fulham and Arsenal Newcastle then at 12 tomorrow well also at 11:45 tomorrow is Everton Brighton and then it's Tunis Man U Bournemouth at 12 <laughs> yeah and that's going to be hard to watch five games at the same time. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then Wednesday, Southampton play. Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Southampton, Tottenham. <laughs> Thursday will play Steve. Uh, oh, well. No, Tottenham's playing uh, Crystal uh, Palace Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday night. And then City Chelsea on Thursday. Uh, so that's the only game on Thursday, City Chelsea. Do you want to save talking about that game until until the podcast on Thursday? Or you want to talk about it now? It's your <laughs> choice. I want you to... Um, I mean, yeah, we can uh, preview it today now because that's going to be after the game. But, you know, it's the one of the best informed teams in um, Europe is playing one of the worst informed worst teams in Europe. So... Uh, Come on, Chelsea just dropped points, man. But City, yeah, yeah, City did drop points. So City just dropped points, man. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It'll probably be also a first look at Holland because he didn't start the League Cup game we played against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we actually, even though they, you know, they rotated, we rotated a lot too. But that was one of our, even though we lost that game, that was mm-hmm. one of our good performances. Um, so. Yeah, let's say, I mean, you know, what we can do. I'm not really hopeful, as you can tell. But ah, I could tell. But yeah, but I've not been hopeful in a lot of Chelsea City games in the last couple of years, and we've gotten points out of them. So let's see. Yeah, maybe maybe you'll raise the level to, to, to play them. Yeah. Anybody yeah. else got anything that they want to wrap up? You know, say last words? Uh, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Lee's face is just says it all about Southampton. He's just not looking forward to the rest of the season. Like, <laughs> yeah, I could, I could tell. I might even put myself. I might even put myself through a live game at the weekend as well. We got Palace away in the FA Cup. Um, oh. Yeah, oh, so it's, it's FA Cup South. weekend. I was wondering why there are no yeah. games, Premier League games. Yeah, oh, okay. Premier. It's, yeah, FA Cup at the weekend, and uh, at least if I go watch that one and we lose, it won't hurt as bad because I'll be like, ah, it's just the cup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whereas a league loss might hurt a bit more. Um, yeah, I've got the choice of either either Forest on Wednesday or that, and yeah, I think Palace. I'll probably go. I like an away day. I have fun there, man. I, I hope. <laughs> I wish you good results. Or just an insult, a result that improves you for the next Premier League game. <laughs> you know, your coach is still learning his team. We'll see what's up, Nathan. We'll see what's <laughs> up. You got, any, you got anything you want to end with, Neil, besides the doom and gloom that you've already been just spewing <laughs> from your headphones? Uh, no, I mean, you know, it's all good. Uh, I was just going through Twitter and I see that Damar Hamlin plays for the Buffalo Bills. He's got a pretty bad knock while the game was going on. And it looks really serious. So I hope he he pulls through. It's looking really serious. Like they're, they're thinking of calling the game off. 
he had to be administered CPR during the game. And, oh, in the NFL? Uh, wow. Yeah. Oh, sure. And so, yeah, I uh, hope... I hope they don't try and start the game again because clearly the players aren't going to be in the frame of mind to carry on. I hope he, he, we actually get some good news about him later in the day. Oh, damn. I haven't watched football in so long. I don't know who that is, but I'll go look it up after we get off. Like, you know, we hope he uh, recovers. Yeah. yeah you can yeah. get hurt in football. I'm surprised more people on a daily basis, on a game to game basis in football, don't like get like a serious like injury mm. that that that's like this so hey man good luck hope you feel better damn uh so yeah let's uh and here's to 2023 damn i forgot to <laughs> i don't have a drink at, at least lee got tea i don't even have nothing yeah Happy and you know year, y'all and you know martin who's in poland right now is probably having having a drink right now too <laughs> he has to it's it's so so much fun there's nothing more fun than typing martin's own words in the chat huge crisis. <laughs> huge crisis <laughs> <laughs> after a spurs loss huge crisis i mean he actually you know 2022 he kept saying huge crisis huge crisis for no reason whatsoever and then mm-hmm. actually what happened at Chelsea turned into just one crisis after the other and everything <laughs> was huge. And I'm like, you know, never take this guy uh, yeah. lightly. <laughs> yeah, he did sound crazy, like the <laughs> shit he was saying. But everything he said literally <laughs> happened, yeah. to yeah. be honest. Yeah. It's almost like he's cheating. Maybe because Martin <laughs> can see into the future. Yeah, because yeah. even the... Abramovich having the team taken away from him. The, yeah. He said that before the news said it. And was like, yeah. nah, this is just <laughs> hateful, wishful thinking. And then that shit happened, bro. And then he said Tuchel's going to get fired. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> and it happened. I, th- I think he just wishes the worst on everyone and sometimes it happens. Yeah, yeah that, is, that is definitely true. I mean, I would like to think that, but it's been <laughs> happening, bro. <laughs> Yeah, stop watches right twice a day. He's <laughs> <laughs> been right. Like left field right. Yeah. Left field right. All right, guys. Thanks for joining. All Appreciate right. y'all. Happy New Year. Uh, hopefully y'all get some points so that y'all don't have these frowns and shit next time I speak to y'all on this <laughs> thing. And uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, like and subscribe wherever you listen or watch. One. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody.